We're going to be in Romans chapter 12. We're going to, it's going to take me a few minutes to get there, but if you have a Bible or your app, go ahead and be turning to Romans chapter 12. If you weren't here last week, uh, we started a brand new series. It's going to be six weeks long called Can We Talk About It? There's a website called canwetalkaboutit.com that we're going to resource and it'll be built out virtually every week and added to everything from student resources to kids resources uh, to uh, suggested reading to podcast to all that kind of stuff because what we're looking at is some very sensitive areas and it's really about, it's about how does the gospel intersect with emotional health? The last couple of years, there's very few of us, very few of us got through the last two years unscathed. Very few of us can look back over the last two or two and a half years and not see a time where you got very, very redlined. And what that looked like might have been different for you than it did for your neighbor. But what we're looking at is we're taking kind of those top six areas, if you will, that we struggle with and how does the gospel speak to it? Kind of the genesis behind it is actually a statement I read years ago from a fifth century theologian called Augustine, and Augustine or Augustine, he said this, he said, our emotions are like smoke from a fire that the emotions are sort of the outward visible indicator of the fire. That's, it's not the fire, it's the indicator that the, a fire exists. And so last week I made the parallel, it'd be like the smoke detector in your house. The smoke detector, as annoying as it is, is trying to indicate, listen, there's something wrong in your house. There's a fire in a room, and if you don't deal with the fire in a room, listen, it's gonna burn the whole thing down. And so we want to resist the temptation to ignore the sound, to take a hammer and just destroy the smoke detector. We want to figure out, all right, what are these emotions? What is that noise screaming about? And so last week we looked at what I would say is the fundamental, the fundamental part individually to understand that the gospel removes my shame. That when Jesus died on the cross and when I said yes to him and that what he did counted for me, what he did on the cross counted for me, that God actually removes my shame. And we looked at a story about a lady who was in shame for 12 years. Jesus lifts up her head, calls her daughter and says, your faith has made you well. And she left and went home and her home was changed. Her life was changed because the gospel intersected with her shame. And so today what we're looking at is if that was the idea of gospel identity to how do you change internally, this is a gospel activity that has everything to do with how you change relationally. Now this looks different. The smoke from this foundational thing looks different depending on who you are. Sometimes it comes out in anger. Sometimes it comes out in self-righteousness. Sometimes it, it comes out in uh, malice toward other people, slander toward other people. Probably the biggest fruit of this particular area would be bitterness. All right, bitterness, the Greek word for bitterness actually means to cut, and that's what bitterness does. It just cuts your soul down to a wick. It just shreds it. It makes it into ribbons. And so it's that sour, angry, venom speaking demeanor and what it comes from, the root of it is unforgiveness. Now, as soon as I say unforgiveness or I say the word forgiveness, a couple of different reactions take place. I've been doing this a long time. So either number one, it's like, you know what? I've done that, didn't work. I need to have something else. And I would just submit to you that you probably had some misunderstandings about what it is because God's way works on time every time or as soon as you hear it, there's some misunderstandings that you're gonna cross your arms and like, you know what, the heck, I ain't, there ain't no way I'm doing that because somebody 
Something, some action somebody did already came up in your mind in some misconceptions like, I don't want to let them off the hook or time heals all wounds or all that stuff. That came up and it's like, I'm not doing that. And loved one, what I would just, what I would again submit to you today is if you don't deal with this, it will deal with you. If you don't deal with unforgiveness, it will deal with you. I would even say it already has dealt with you. It's like, the picture that, I came, that came to mind was like when those retractable leashes on dogs, when you're walking a dog and you give them so much rope, but there's a point in time, all you gotta do is hit that button and croak, and it's like the dog, the dog thought he had freedom, the dog had perceived freedom, the dog felt he could go as far as he wanted to go, but bottom line, he was still on a leash. And that's what unforgiveness does. Every time you're trying to make some momentum in your marriage, in your family, in your relationships, just in the joy of your walk with the Lord, all your enemy does is sit there and he hits that button of unforgiveness and it just causes all the momentum God wants to have in your life. It just comes to a screeching halt. And so by God's grace, that ends today. By God's grace, just like people walked out a different person last week saying, you know what? The cross has removed my shame. God has called me a son or a daughter. My identity is different. I can live from my identity, not for my identity. What we're gonna to see today is there's an activity that you can do, a choice you can make, that you can walk out of fear. And the prayer is you'd walk out of fear freer than any time in your entire life. Because the bottom line again is, this is not gonna be an easy subject. It's, it's a, it, it opens up a hurt, but if you deal with it, it is amazingly healing. But the difficulty is, it's like C.S. Lewis said. C.S. Lewis says, when I'm the offending party, I love and lean into the forgiveness and the grace of God. But when I am the offended party, I lean into and love the justice of God. It's like, get him, God. It's kind of like, you know what? When it, you know, forgiveness is an easy word until there's somebody or something to forgive. And so what we're gonna do today is, as we look at this, uh, you're asking the question, you know, what can help me heal from past hurts? What can get some momentum started and turn the corner for my family? What can restore the joy in my walk with the Lord? The answer without a doubt is forgiveness. Now, right before we get to Romans 12, here's what I want you to understand. If, if you're new to church, it might be new to you. If you're not new to church, then this shouldn't be news to you. And that is that Jesus Christ had a ton of stuff to say about, about horizontal forgiveness, about forgiving each other. So for example, he says in one place, he says in Mark chapter 11, whenever you stand praying, it's actually talking about when you're at church. When you stand praying, forgive if you have anything against anyone so that your father also who is in heaven may forgive you your trespasses. Now he's not saying that, you know what, I'll forgive you if you forgive them. What he's saying is if you don't forgive other people, then you probably don't understand or have experienced the forgiveness that I wanna give to you. Another place in the Lord's Prayer, for example, and this is the scary part, the Lord's Prayer where he's like, he teaches us to pray. And at the end of the Lord's Prayer, he teaches us to pray, forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. That's a scary prayer. You're praying, God, let me experience your forgiveness to the degree that I'm gonna actually give forgiveness to somebody who's hurt me. And then just understand, Jesus is all about forgiveness. He taught it, but he modeled it. He hung on a cross looking down at the people who crucified him and he says, Father, forgive them for they do not know what they do. So please don't think for a minute, I have not thought of some of the most wicked scenarios which came into this room today. Believe me, I have. 
and you're like, they hurt me, I won't do it. And what I want you to hear today is if you don't deal with it, they're still hurting you today. And when you look at this, there's a lot of questions and misunderstandings that evolve around this. What is forgiveness? What is forgiveness not? How do I know if I've forgiven somebody? How do I even know whether I've done it or not or how do I do it? And again, here's what my prayer is. My prayer is that God will reveal who you need to forgive, the specifics of that forgiveness, okay? The specifics of what they owe you. And then you would make the choice. And that's what it is. It's a decision. It's not a feeling. It's a decision that leads to a bunch of other feelings, but the decision itself is not a feeling. It is a decision. You make the choice to forgive them. And then you walk out of here with the chains that have, that have fallen off. So Romans chapter 12, context would be this. Like many books in the Bible, Jesus or, or the, the Bible speaks the gospel to people who are already Christians, which reinforces the gospel is not just how you enter the Christian life, it's how you live the Christian life. And so for 11 chapters, the book has 16 chapters, for 11 chapters in the book of Romans, the first 11 chapters are all about the gospel. He's writing to Roman Christians 2,000 years ago and they had some of the same issues you and I have. They had marital conflict. They had, they had family dissension. They had a persecution that had started. The guy that wrote this letter, by the way, he was going to eventually get beheaded. Some of the people who were the original recipients of this letter, they would be thrown into the lion's den just because they're Christ followers. They had business people who ripped them off and took away their retirement. All the scenarios you could think of and more he was writing. But for 11 chapters, he talks about the gospel. Chapter one and two, he says, you know what? There is a just and holy God and you've rebelled against him. Starting in chapter three on, he says, listen, Jesus has paid the penalty for your sin. He is the satisfaction for God's holiness and God's justice. And all the way up until chapter 12, it's the gospel, it's the gospel. And then starting in chapter 12, he says, all right, he makes a shift and he says, I'm gonna talk about how the gospel makes a difference in the way you live, work, and play. I'm gonna give you the implications of the gospel. And right on the front end, here are the words that he says. Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, so far as it depends on you, that's your choice. We'll talk about that. Forgiveness doesn't necessarily mean reconciliation. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourself, but leave it to the wrath of God. For it is written, vengeance is mine. He's quoting the book of Deuteronomy. Vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. And to the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. For by doing so, you will heap burning coals on his head. And you're like, now we're talking. It's exactly, it's exactly what I want to have happen to him. Do not be, and here's the, here's the conclusion, do not be overcome by evil. It's talking about the repercussions. It's talking about a bell that got rung years ago. And if you're not careful, the momentum of that is still going on. And he's saying, don't be overcome by that. Don't be overcome by that evil, but overcome evil with good. So uh, let me say this. Every word in here is important. And so the epistles, remember, they talk about the implication and the application of all the stuff Jesus did and said and modeled. And so we looked at, this is what Jesus said. And so you got Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. That's the ministry of Jesus. Then you got the book of Acts. And the book of Acts is the early church and how the gospel spread. 
And then you get into the epistles like the book of Romans and it talks about, all right, here's what's going on behind the scene. Here's the doctrine. Here's the way this fleshes itself out. And he starts off by saying it comes to the fact of, you know what? He says, do not repay evil for evil. Now understand the big meta narrative that's going on here. Before God gave the law through Moses, there was like unequal retribution. What I mean by that is before he gave like the law, the 10 commandments, you had people, you had people that would do unequal retribution. So if you, if you like slapped me, I'd kill you. If you like, uh, you know, stole from me, I'd kill you. If you hurt one of my family members, I kill you. If you hurt my dog, I kill you. If you hurt my cat, you help me bury the cat. I mean, all those things are like that. It's like unequal retribution. Then God gives the law, then the law is trying to make it equal. That's where the eye for the eye and the tooth for tooth come in. And then what happens is Jesus comes on the scene. He dies for his enemy, which by the way, that's what you and I were before you came to Christ. You're called an enemy of God, whether you knew it or not. That's what the Bible teaches. You or I were basically, we're, we were black-hearted, wretched sinners that rebelled against God. And so what God gives us is not retribution. God gives us grace. And so he says, if you're one of mine, if you're a Christ follower, don't repay evil for evil. But then he proceeds to imply what forgiveness is not. Now listen to me. I've been doing this deal for 30 years. And I understand when I say that certain, there's always like five or six objections that come up. And when I ask you to forgive, and when I look in the mirror and God convicts me to forgive somebody, these objections always come up. And what's amazing, we could have gone to Matthew 18, we could have gone to Matthew 5, it's taught all the time. We could have gone to Ephesians 4, forgiving each other just as God in Christ forgave you, all, take off bitterness, all that. The reason that Romans 12 is so helpful for us is because what it does is it, it, it tackles the hard questions about what forgiveness is and what it is not. So what I wanna do is I wanna take about 10 minutes and I wanna give you three things that forgiveness is not. Because again, what I'm gonna ask you to do is I'm gonna ask you to write down the initials, maybe the name, if they're because of the person that God brings to mind. All right, you might. The reason I say the initials or a code name is because that person might be sitting right next to you, and they might get a little freaked out if you're like, "Hey, right next to me." So just realize that's what I'm trying. That's that's where we're going, and then we're going to break these sticks to basically say, you know what? This is symbolic of breaking the chains, the bondage that has held me in place. And again, sometimes it's been for years. But in order to forgive, we gotta figure out what we're not doing. And this hopefully will be helpful. First thing is forgiveness is not excusing. Forgiveness is not excusing. So going back to the text, it says, repay no one evil for evil. So the implication is there are some things that are evil and wicked, wrong, clearly hurtful. So the Bible is not Pollyanna that's like, oh, let bygones be bygones. He didn't mean it. She wasn't thinking, whatever. It's saying clearly, listen, there's some stuff that, there's some stuff that was evil and was done wrong. Now, we do need to recognize some stuff doesn't rise to the level of forgiveness, correct? All right, somebody defriends you on Instagram. That doesn't, you don't need to direct message them and go, I forgive you in Jesus' name. You don't need to do that. You just don't. There's some stuff that doesn't rise up to that level. 
The Bible says this in Proverbs. It says, it's good sense makes one slow to anger and it is his glory to overlook an offense. Some stuff, all you, gotta do, all you need to do is just overlook it. So for example, um, Thursday, no, Wednesday morning, my normal daily routine is I try to get to the office early, but what I do is I usually, I live over there in Mills River. I usually cut through. I go to the Starbucks over here in Biltmore Park and I do it pretty much Monday through Thursday on my way in. I usually get there early enough where it's kind of the traffic hadn't, but I'm running a little bit late Wednesday morning. And so I cut through and then I come up uh, uh, Long Shoals. And if you are familiar, you're probably gonna have to do it in a little while. You, I'm coming up Long Shoals, but these people are getting off 26 and it's probably eight o'clock. So it's like school time and all it's, you know, it's backed up. And if you're trying to take a left into Biltmore Park, it can actually back up where you're kind of where your hind end is sticking out a little bit and you get a little nervous because people are trying to get around you, you know, all that stuff. I'm not gonna high side on 26, all right? But the idea is I was sitting there and I was waiting. I know I have a couple of cycles before I'm gonna be able to take a left turn. So I'm sitting there and I'm, I'm stuck, but I'm looking at some stuff and I'm, I know you're not supposed to. I was like, I'm stuck, so I'm like reading an email or something like that. And just at that time, I'm, I'm right there, but I look down and I, man, it was maybe three seconds. I looked down. I look up and this white Subaru has nosed her way in front of me without an invitation. I did not invite her. I didn't wave her in there. I wasn't being a good Christian. Hey, come on in. Everybody loves you. That's not it at all. I was looking down for three seconds. I look up and without an invitation, she is butted in front of me. Well, I was, I was sarcastic. I just, I didn't honk. You'd be proud. But I was like, come on, whatever. You're rude. You might as well go ahead and be completely rude this morning. So come on. And then, so we go up there and it's that left-hand turn lane, but it's not surprising me. She's taking a left just like me. She takes a left. I take a left. But then she puts her blinker on. And so she's taking another left into that area. It's like no big deal. There's a gas station. There's McDonald's, Starbucks, Ava's, all that kind of stuff. But then she goes past the McDonald's and then she goes into the drive-through at Starbucks. And I'm like, cause I was kind of Christian cussing. I was like, rassum, frassum, you know, rag, you know, I was doing that. And so I'm right behind her. It's a little awkward. I'm glad I didn't have my Biltmore Church sticker on it yet. So you guys kind of be proud. It's accountability. Um, so anyway, I'm right behind her. I'm right behind her and, I, and she orders and drives it up and it's like, yeah, whatever. Whatever. And so I order my regulars like venti breve latte, low fat turkey bacon sandwich. It's what I do all the time. And then I get up there. These people know me. They know me because I go there every morning. They're like, regular, regular. It's like 1041, 10 bucks, 41 cents. So I get up there and the lady in the, the Starbucks, the barista goes, the lady in front of you paid for your meal because she, because she knew she cut you off. And it's amazing how... Don't applaud her. She was still wrong. I'm just saying, I'm just saying. It's amazing how my attitude shifted. And the bottom line is maturity would have said, whatever. I would have let her in. It wouldn't have bothered me. But for about five minutes, man, it was ticking me off. But even if it didn't, it would have been crazy if I had like gotten, I would have like called security. If I had gotten up out of the car, it's like, all right, forgive you in Jesus' name. It's like, what? No. But listen to me, as funny as that is, listen, there's some stuff that, that does rise to that level. There's some stuff that is, as the text says, evil. Your spouse of 20 years says, you know what? I know we got three kids, but you know what? They're teenagers now. They can take it. 
didn't respected me for five years. I got some lady at the office. She respects me. She also happens to be 20 years younger. And you know what? I'm leaving. I'm leaving. You have uh, somebody who was in authority over you. You have somebody that was supposed to protect you. You have somebody that was supposed to watch out for you and they abused that authority and they hurt you. That is great wickedness. That is great, great evil. You have somebody who bullies you at school. Somebody who either cyber bullies you or bullies you at school. You have somebody again who was supposed to be in business with you, but the whole time they're pilfering the business behind your back and that company you started all of a sudden is broke, not because of anything you did, but because he was pilfering the whole thing. And now you've got to work an extra five years because your retirement is gone. That's the kind of stuff. And he says, give thought to that. He says, give thought to, to do what is honorable. In other words, don't ignore, but do what's fitting. Do what is fitting. So I need you to do that. I need you to think about who that is. Who do you hope to never see again? Who do you cringe when you see them, maybe at church, most definitely at school, possibly at the mall, and you like see them and you're like, I, you know, I see them before they see me and so I'm going to the other side of the street. Who is that? Who is that person that you find yourself having imaginary conversations with where you're like, you know what, if I get a chance to give them a piece of my mind, that is exactly what I will do. Who is it that you would like to pay back if you knew you could pay them back and actually never get caught? Who is it that you love to see fail? Who is it that you rejoice when they are embarrassed or something goes wrong and you cringe when something goes right and you're like, man, how are they getting ahead and I'm not? I mean, who is it? Who is it? Is it an ex-spouse? Is it an ex-boss who lets you go because we were having a youth movement and all of a sudden you got put, I can hire two people cheaper even though you've been with the company 30 years. All right, so... Uh, you're like, I, I don't wanna, I don't wanna go there. I don't want that to slow me down. It, please, listen, it already is. If, you, if you're bitter and you're like, you know what? I don't want my family to be affected by that. I don't wanna be affected. That doesn't affect, it does affect them. It does affect them. The Bible says, do not let a root of bitterness spring up among any so that all are defiled. And the idea is you don't hide that. It's coming out. It's affecting your relationships now. It's like a three-legged race back in those fair. You're like, how come I can't move faster? How come my current marriage is in such bad shape? And I would say it's because you were still dragging that old stuff around. It's like a three-legged race. You can't go as fast because you're still tied to something way back then. And so what it is, it's, but you got to recognize it. It's not excusing it. And it's certainly not. And here's the part that people really trip up on. It's not necessarily trusting again either. It says, if possible, live peaceably with all men. The implication is that there are situations where it is not possible. Could look at me for a second. It's a different sermon, but forgiveness is not the same thing as reconciliation. Sometimes forgiveness leads to reconciliation, but it is not completely the same thing. And the fact that if you choose to forgive does not mean that you have to or even are called to reconcile. I forgive you does not mean I trust you. I forgive you does not mean I trust you. Until the person shows evidence of repentance or change, the trust is, tr listen, forgiveness is given unilaterally by you for God's glory, for your sake, but trust is earned. Trust is earned. 
So for example, you're a parent and your daughter maxes out the credit card without you knowing. And all of a sudden you get a bill and it's like, what, $10,000? Listen, at some point you're gonna have to forgive her. It doesn't mean you need to give her an American Express, okay? Until she's earned the understanding that, hey, this is a privilege, okay? Somebody, somebody does bring you in on a business deal. And it looked good on the outside, but it ended up being a scheme and ended up blowing everything up. Forgiveness is given, but you don't necessarily have to go into business with that guy again. And for sure, and listen to me on this one, so there's no equivocation at all. It does not mean you were to stay in an abusive relationship. It does not mean that... If somebody, and you're in a relationship with somebody that is criminally taking advantage of you, because I've seen boyfriends do this who are abusive and they have a Christian girlfriend and what they'll say is, you told me you forgave me for hitting you. You told me you forgave me and now you're checking my, my calendar you're, or you're afraid or you're leaving me or whatever. And listen, brother, right after Romans 12, is another chapter and it's called Romans 13. And Romans 13 says, God has given some civil authorities to arrest your hind end. That's what it actually says. So it doesn't mean that just because she forgives you for her sake and God's glory, she's got to stay in that relationship. As a matter of fact, if you're in that kind of relationship, please get some help. Please get some help. Tell one of the pastors out there, there are some resources, but you don't have to stay in danger. You don't have to stay in that. So don't let somebody, again, I've heard, heard some, some spouses that maybe they've cheated and they've had an affair or three and all of a sudden they're like a month into that and a month into the healing process and their spouse wants to see their phone just to see the text messages or whatever. And if, and if I heard it once, I've heard it a hundred times where they're like, man, she told me she forgave me and now she's wanting to see my text messages. Brother, forgiveness and trust is not the same thing. Forgiveness is given, trust is earned. And so you look at this last part, and here's the part that actually is freeing if you think about it, but some people think it's harsh. I would say a correct understanding of this is absolutely key to actually diligently forgiving, and that is this. It's also not rescuing. It's not rescuing. Verse 19 says something. You just let it sit there for a second. Verse 19, he quotes different parts of the Bible, but he says, never avenge yourselves. But why? Why would we not avenge ourselves? He says, don't avenge yourselves, but leave it or leave room for, in other words, leave some room for God to work. He says, leave room, leave it to the wrath of God. Now, let me give you a quick theology lesson here. Part of the way that God made you is with a sense of justice. So when you see something go wrong and you see somebody harmed, there's something that goes on on the inside of you if your conscience is healthy at all, and they can be unhealthy, but if it's healthy at all, there's a sense in which God made you in the image of God that's like, that's wrong, that's wrong, somebody should pay for that. I mean, think about it. When you see some, when you see some crime on television, there's some child hurt, there's something in there that's like, man, somebody's gotta pay for that. Somebody's gotta pay for it. And that, that in and of itself is not wrong. That in and of itself talks about how we like Movies like The Equalizer so much, because you know, you know what? At the end, the bad guys are gonna get it. They're gonna get it, and it's like, yeah. I would tell you the worst movies of all time are the ones that the bad guys don't get it at the end. I mean, 
That's real life sometimes, but in the movies, you want the bad guys to get it. I mean, I'd rather go see a romantic, you know, where the crickets sing deal crawdads, what is crawdads say? Like, I'd rather see that than some movie where the bad guys are like, it ends and then there's nothing reconciled. That's why we like, that's why some of y'all named your, that's why some of y'all have a dog named Bauer, okay? The reason you have a dog named Bauer is because you go back to Jack Bauer and Jack Bauer might've had a lot of collateral damage, but the bad guys were gonna get it at the end. You're like, I love that, I love that. That's just, here's, here, here's where it gets messy. Where it gets messy is when we are the offended party and we wanna take the justice. Now listen to me, this, is gotta, this has to free you up. Because I know, especially if you're a dad and you see a movie like Taken or something and you're like, man, I'm gonna go old Liam Neeson on people and all this kind of stuff. I understand, I understand that. But here's, here's what you need to understand to be able to actually forgive. And again, I'm not saying that there's not consequences. There are consequences. But what he's saying here is when you were the offended party, it's and you hear about forgiving, what it feels like sometimes is you're gonna let somebody off the hook. And what this scripture is trying to remind you is nobody just gets let off the hook. When the text says, leave it to the wrath of God, it basically says, don't get in God's way. If you're gonna take that vengeance, God will step back and say, all right, you can do it, but you move me out. He says, leave room for, don't get between the hammer and the nail. And what we say is, it's not fair, they're getting away with it. That's a low view of God. Because what the text is showing is, listen, nobody gets away with anything. Justice will be done. Either Christ will pay the full penalty for their sin on the cross like he did for you, or they will pay the full penalty for their sin in eternity at a place called hell. That's what the Bible teaches. But God is a God of justice. Nothing just gets ignored. Nothing just goes away. And if you don't understand that part, it's gonna be very hard for you to forgive the hard stuff. I mean, you might be able to forget the, the Subaru that cuts you off trying to take a left. You can do that. If you remember a, few, a number of years ago in Charleston, South Carolina, in the aftermath of that horrendous, wicked shooting at Emmanuel Church in Charleston, one of the men whose wife was killed by Dylan Roof told him in the courtroom that day, listen to this. I forgive you, son, and my family forgives you, but we would like you to take this opportunity to repent, repent and confess. Give your life to the one who matters the most, Jesus Christ, so that he can change it and change your attitude. Now that was amazing. It like amazed the whole nation when they're like, that, how does that even happen? But you fast forward a few years and some of those same reporters go back to that same husband and like, hey, you have second thoughts about that? Hey, do you think about maybe you shouldn't have done that? Or hey, what do you think about it now, now that a few years have passed? And he said, you know what? I always get asked that question. And people wanna know why, even if he did repent, why would I ever forgive the man who murdered my wife? Listen to what he said. He said, my answer to them is always the same. I choose to forgive the racist killer because I believe and trust God's word when he tells me that vengeance is his to repay, not mine. I need not avenge the vile deeds of Dylan Roof myself because God said it is mine to avenge, I will repay, and scripture promises me that. Now some of you are like, well I can never forgive because I can never forget. And while I understand that, 
the truth is you will never forget until you forgive. That wound will always be an open wound. And what God wants to do is God wants to take, God wants to take that open wound and then when you forgive, the healing takes place and the wound becomes a scar and then the scar becomes part of your story. And the reason you know it's still an open wound is because again, every time that person's name comes up, every time you see that person, every time somebody compliments them, you're like, no, don't bring, don't bring that name up. Don't, they don't say it, but you kind of shrink back. But then when it's healed, somebody can bump into it and you know it's there. It's visible but it's now part of your story. It's about the story of what God did in your life. And you think about it, most people say, well, I can't, I can't forgive because I can't forget because God says we're supposed to forgive and forget. No, he doesn't. There's one place where it says God re remembers your sin no more, but he's saying it in kind of what we call anthropomorphic language so that we can understand that, you know what? When he takes our sin and he throws it into the ocean, God does not have amnesia. God doesn't have amnesia like, oh, you know what? I forgot. I forgot Bruce did that on Tuesday. I forgot about that. It's not what he does. It's because of what Jesus did on the cross. He does something even better. And he says, guess what? I am not gonna take into account your sin when it comes to our relationship. Because when I see you, I see what Jesus did on the cross. That's why in Christ is over and over and over and over and over and over again in there. Because we're like enveloped in Christ. And so um, you're like, why would I do that? And part of it's, the highest thing is for God's glory, but you gotta understand, this is for you as well. Somebody said, forgiveness is setting the prisoner free and then realizing that the prisoner is me. It's realizing, you know what? I've been the one in, I've, I've been the one, I've been the one locked up in chains. And so the question is like the way the text ends is you gotta overcome. How do you, over, how do you overcome that? So here's a definition. I want you to look at it. I'm sure we'll put it out. We'll put it out somewhere on social, but here's the definition. It's a decision to cancel someone's debt. And just leave that up there for a second. The word debt is there purposely because that's the way the Bible speaks of forgiveness. God's forgiveness of us, we owed a debt we couldn't pay. All right, he paid a debt he didn't owe. That's the substitutionary atonement. That's what propitiation means we talked about. It's a payment that satisfies. And so what happens is, even at the start of this, when he says repay, no one evil for evil, repay is a financial term. It means somebody is obligated to you. Somebody owes you because of what they did to you. So it's a decision to cancel someone's debt. It's a decision to cancel someone's debt against you because at the cross, Jesus canceled your debt. When we struggle, when we struggle with forgiveness, which is what some of us are doing right now, we're struggling. It's like, why should I do that? I don't wanna do that. I don't wanna do that. The reason is, is we're focused too much on what happened to us instead of what happened for us. Because you went to the cross and you got forgiven and what the challenge is, you gotta stay near the cross to be a forgiver. You went there and you're like, Jesus, what you did on that cross counted for me. You paid my sin debt, you forgave me. And then he says, but in order to be a forgiver, you gotta linger at the cross for a while. And when we struggle with that, it's because we forgot. And um, what he's saying is, I don't want people that are a cul-de-sac of forgiveness, where it goes in, it just stays there. I want a conduit of forgiveness. I've forgiven you, you forgive people. Forgiving, forgiven people forgive people. And so what happens is the reason you feel like they, we even use that term, you owe me, they owe me. 
Because when they hurt you, a debt was created. They owe you something. They owe you an apology. They owe you, in some cases, money. Other times, they owe you your reputation back. Other times, they owe you your innocence back. Other times, they owe you your purity back. Other times, they owe you the dream of a happy marriage back. Loved ones, what you gotta understand is they can't repay you anyway. I mean, do you understand that? They can't repay you anyway, most of the time. And most of the time, they're not, if you're like, I'm gonna wait till they come and knock on the door and ask my forgiveness. Bro, they're not coming. They're not coming. I mean, one out of a hundred is all of a sudden, half of the time, they might not even know what they did. And the ones that do, if they had knocked on your door by now, even if they did and you were hating them, guess what? You're not even ready to receive them anyway. So when you look at it this way, this debt is created. And so what I want you to do, as hard as it is, identify who it was. Identify who it was. Some of you already have that person in your mind. Who was it? Secondly, identify what they owe you. What do they owe you? What did they take from you? You got to go there if you're going to walk out changed. What do they? What do they owe you? I mean, think about it. You owed me. You owed me protection. You were an authority figure in my life. You owed me protection. You owed me safety. And you took it from me. You owe me my childhood back. I was a child, you owe that to me. You owe me the dream of a happy home and a marriage and going to kids' ball games on the weekend. And now we split time because you had some daddy issue and you had to go sleep with somebody else and now our family is imploded and you owe something to me. For some of you, it's like a grown kid. It's a grown kid. I mean, they're 30 years old and you're like, we raised you in the church. We sacrificed for you. We did the best we could. And then once you were off the payroll, boom, you were like gone. And all you do is call on Father's Day or Mother's Day. It's like, you owe me, you owe me respect, you owe me honor. Others of you, it's a parent and that parent is, that parent's not even alive anymore, loved one. It's not even alive. And even though they're dead, they're still hurting you. And you can still get free today and say, you know what? I mean, I've known people whose like dad is passed and there was some bad stuff. And it's like, you know what? I choose to release don't even have to tell them because you can't tell them because here's the deal. How are they going to repay you? He's dead. She's remarried. They can't, they can't repay you. And so you got a choice you got to make at church today and that is you got to make a choice. Am I going to cancel the debt or not? Now understand again what it is. You're making a choice that they don't owe you anymore. Not saying there's not consequences, not saying somebody doesn't need to go to jail. We we talked about that. Not saying you don't need to get the money back from business. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about you making a choice, which is not even a feeling. You're like, I don't don't feel like that. I'm just saying, I don't think Jesus felt like dying on a cross. Wasn't about a feeling, it was about a choice that he made. It's a decision you make regardless of how you feel. It's saying that I choose to forgive blank for blank. 
You're identifying the person, you're identifying what they did. You're saying, I'm not rescuing this, I'm not trusting you, I'm not excusing this, but I'm also not looking for vengeance. I'm not looking to focus on your failure. Or here's the deal, please just make a choice, either one. Some of you just make a choice, you know what, I'm not gonna cancel the debt. And what you need to do is take a picture and laminate it and put it by your television and like, you know what, that's the reason I hate John. At least you know who's killing you. At least you know who's destroying your life still. But God would have you to say, you know what? They're not gonna repay. They're not gonna bring that back, but Jesus is good. And just like I saying, I'm gonna trust in Jesus. God forgave me and so I don't, they don't owe that to me anymore. So here's the deal. Number one, who is it? Number two, what do they owe you? Get that in your mind. And then choices, make a choice to release them from the debt that they owe you. I don't, they don't owe that to me anymore. Now I'm telling you, it is a crisis, it's a choice today. There's a process. So you might do that and those feelings come back in three weeks and all you do, because people are like, forgive and forget. No, forgive and remember. Forgive and remember that on this day at church, I made a choice to release them from the debt because Jesus released me from the debt that I owed him. And the way we're gonna to try to do this is a bunch of different ways we've tried to do this in the years past. We had a casket here one time and we came in here and we did it. And we, there's somewhere on these grounds, there's a casket buried like on the ground. I mean, because we put all the names in there and that was fine. One time we burned it, but I'm like, dude, if we burn it, those fire alarms are gonna go off and who knows what's gonna happen. So here's, here's the way we, we did it one time, but it's, it's very helpful to make a symbolic act to say, listen, the chains of that unforgiveness and that bitterness, they're not gonna get me anymore. You might have to, you might have to come back around to it, but here's the deal. It's just, you probably got some, you got markers on your row. And I do say it, and I said it funny early, but you can put first name down. You can put initials down. You can put code down. You can do whatever. And just the name of the person, just the name of the person that you are making the choice to forgive. Because here's what we're gonna do. There's this, the way we're gonna end our service today is, some, the first part of it's like an old, it's like the oldest hymn in the world, all right? It's Amazing Grace. I mean, it's like, oh, I know that song. I never go to church. I know Amazing Grace. But that little tag they put on it years ago says, my chains are gone. I've been set free. And what our hope and what our prayer is that, you know what, when we make this decision, guess what? I can, I can actually sing that song with authenticity and freedom that maybe I've never had before. So here's the way we're, here's the way we're gonna do it. Um, why don't you go ahead and stand, if you would, just stand to your feet. And um, now don't do it yet, but you've written that name down. I'm gonna pray, I'm gonna pray for us, and then I'm gonna, I'm gonna ask you when you've made the decision, when you've made the choice, I choose to release this person from this you would put that stick and kind of point it downward. Don't point it up here, point it downward. And you would break that, which is a symbol of, you know what? That's breaking the chains of bitterness and unforgiveness in my life. And then we're gonna come up there and you guys back there in the cheap seats, there's a table right in front of you. You go put it down there. If you wanna stay and linger and pray and say, God, I just need to make a choice today. It's hard, but I'm leaving this here with you. Feel free to pray. But if you're not praying, just put it on the altar, put it on the table and then go back and it's not a long time, but just like my chains are gone. 
I've been set free. All right, so I'm gonna pray. When I say amen, when you make that choice, not yet, boom. Father, I wanna pray that the next few minutes, chains would be just, you would set people free. This gets us so often. We get offended, we get hurt, we sit on it, we stew on it, and it just, it just gets infected in our lives and it takes away our joy, it hurts our relationships with other people. God, may we be known just as most forgiving people at our work, at our school, neighborhood. Not because we're better, just because we understand that grace has been extended to us. God, I pray we'd make the hard choice today. Thank you for being a God, not just of grace, but also justice that we can trust that, you know what? You're a just God. You're a just God. You miss nothing. But God, in the meantime, we don't want to get between you and whatever your plan is for that person. We love you. Set the captives free. In Jesus' name.